Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for, and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I, of course, cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners, and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions, because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You are listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Today, the topic of the show is Medicare. Uh, I am joined in studio this morning uh, by Mr. Peter Stoner. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. Uh, so Peter is a Medicare consultant, mm-hmm. uh, and you can, I'll give you a second here, you can give your official title uh, if, it's, <laughs> if it's more than that or more complicated than that. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and, and introduce yourself and, and tell the folks out there what it is that you do. Sure. Thank you. And, uh, and thank you for having me this morning, Kirk. Thank you. Appreciate it. So as Kirk said, my name is Peter Stoner. I'm president and founder of Stoner & Company. We're in Wellesley Hills. Uh, we're consultants and uh, Medicare brokers, and and frankly, Medicare is all we do. So, typically and historically, Medicare has been, I think, to some extent, underserved, if you will. And a lot of the people who are in Medicare as brokers are really doing something else. They just sort of do Medicare because they know there are a lot of people that are Medicare eligible, and they know that they can make a commission on it, but. Um, uh, myself and my uh, colleague, Kathy Barniak, between us, have been in Medicare sales for about 50 years. Uh, I've been in it for uh, over 27 years. Kathy's been in it for the balance. Uh, we've got a couple of other people now that have uh, come on board working with us. We have uh, a little over 1,000 clients. And the uh, the services that we provide, frankly, are that... We have a discussion with people um, so we can tell them if they're going to be better served on a supplement plan or an advantage plan. Um, we got our experience working, uh, I met Kathy, for example, when we were both working at Tufts Health Plan. I worked there for about uh, 12 years. Kathy worked there for over 20 years. Uh, I went on to become the Medicare uh, sales director at Fallon uh, Health Plan in Worcester. She stayed uh, with Tufts. Uh, I started this company in uh, 2009, interestingly, when I was 65, so it's kind of my (laughs) retirement gig. Uh, Kathy joined me about uh, four years later uh, because she continued to work at Tufts Health Plan. And we... um, not only do we do Medicare, we, we really enjoy what we're doing, and that's really why I continue to do it at now 74 years old. 
because uh, I would rather do this, frankly, than retire. I know, uh, for example, your father-in-law loves to fish. Um, I like to do some other stuff, but I'd rather be involved helping people uh, enroll in Medicare plans. So, um, you know, that's a little bit about uh, who we are, and I'm looking forward to the show today. Um, well, yeah, so I think that, that you made a good point there that that's, you know, that's all you do is Medicare. And I think that that's, frankly, that's more than enough because I know how how complicated it, it is. Right. Uh, so that's that's more than a job in itself, just navigating those those waters. Um, and, and, you know, one other thing that I would like you to maybe point out, uh, because, I, you know, I've, I find that you are a, you know, a terrific resource, uh, you know, for, you know, for our clients and, and other people uh, listening out there. Uh, could you just talk about real quick about how you get compensated? So um, we get compensated a few ways. Most of the time we get compensated as a broker because we're helping an individual go into uh, a Medicare plan. And most of the Medicare plans out there uh, pay a commission. So people will always ask me, so um, what is this going to cost me? And it doesn't cost them anything because I'm getting a commission from the health plan, which is built into their premium, whether they use a broker or not. And so there are some plans out there that don't give a broker commission. And in the, and in the quotes that I give, I show those plans. And I show them specifically because I want people to get a full picture of what the market is. Then sometimes that'll mean I don't get the sale. Well, you know, I don't know of any sales position where somebody makes a sale 100% of the time. So I figure I give it, uh, we give it our best shot. And if people like the products that we represent and like having us involved, helping them into the future, which is what a broker relationship is, then more often than not, they choose a plan that we represent, but they don't have to. Yeah, I mean that's you know that's the best way to operate, right? Is you I know, think. You, oh, yeah, you have yeah. to you have to lay out all the options, including the ones that obviously don't benefit yourself. I mean that's that's the name of the game, uh, at least it should be. Um, so before we kind of start start get into the the details here, the last thing I'll say is that. Uh, Peter is going to join us for a seminar, uh, or a, a webinar, rather, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is going to be on October 20th uh, at 6.30 p.m., uh, and so if you would like to register for that, we would ask that you please call the office. Uh, the office phone number is 781-834-2010. Uh, you can talk to Mary Beth or whomever answers the phone, and uh, she'll just grab your email and some information to give you the, the Zoom link. For that, so Peter will be joining us for that. Um, you know, going through uh, a Medicare, um, you know, explanation, and then uh, and also taking some questions, I believe, uh, mm -hmm. at the end, uh, right. which we can do over uh, over Zoom. Um, all right, so all right, let's kind of jump into it. Um, you just kind of want to start with maybe the highlights of of Medicare as far as sure how it works, or you know, I'll Absolutely. let you kind of yeah. So that, that's uh, part of what I'm going to cover today. I'm going to cover what is Medicare, how does it work, how can you enroll, very importantly, when can you enroll, also covering initial enrollment into Part uh, B and the annual enrollment, which is between October 15th and December 7th. So that's the piece that's critically important. It's going on right now. It's starting officially next week. People that are already on a Medicare plan have between October 15th to December 7th to change it. And for the generation that's now focused on Medicare, I, I actually believe that the government chose December 7th because everybody that's my age associates that with Pearl Harbor mm. Day, which means it's something that they can readily remember. Whereas uh, if I were to ask my daughters, and I have done this. Yes. What is December 7th? They have absolutely no clue. Right. And in fact, they have no clue to the extent that my oldest daughter actually got married on December 7th. <laughs> and uh, I asked her, you know, do you have beforehand? I asked, do you have any idea what the significance? And she didn't. So now it's taken a more positive tilt in the Stoner family. It's now known as Ivy's wedding anniversary. Right, and it's when and it's when Peter gets really busy at work. That, that's actually when I stop getting busy. Oh, because that's the end. It starts October fifteenth. Oh, right, right. Ends the end December seventh, right. 
Uh, December 8th is like a day where I just want to sit around and do nothing. Right, right. Um, and, but we're going to talk about the various options uh, available under Medicare, whether when somebody becomes eligible, are they uh, going to go on a Medicare supplement plan or are they going to go on a Medicare Advantage plan? Uh, part of the problem with Medicare is that there are so many choices that people get overwhelmed. I get people calling me all the time that'll say something to the extent of, you know, I have three degrees and I can't figure this out. <laughs> yeah. But the reason that they can't figure it out is, first and foremost, they only do it once. Right. You know, so there's not like there's a learning curve. Uh, but secondly is that there's too many options. So our approach is always to narrow down the options. We essentially say to people, when, when you become eligible for Medicare, you enter a Y in the road. You either go to, say, the left for a Medicare supplement plan, or you go to the right for a Medicare Advantage plan. And that then typically means you ignore the other fork. So you focus on the fork that you've decided that you're best suited for, and you do that in order to be able to extract maximum knowledge. And then you, uh, uh, you whittle down the options. Because once you've done that, it's much easier to make a decision. Otherwise, it's too cumbersome and overwhelming. Right. So you have, um, well, you have obviously experience doing that. Uh, do you have do you have software that you use to kind of help you do that, or have you? No. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> In one word, no. Okay. The software is uh, my experience. Okay. Right. So I I pretty much know. For for example, when somebody calls me up. I don't go over the different options with them because that gets time consuming and cumbersome and so forth. So I tell them a story, a true story, which is what kind of a, a Medicare plan am I on? I'm on a supplement plan. And what kind of health plan is my wife on? She's on a Medicare Advantage plan. We've both been on them since we were eligible for Medicare in 2012. And then the story evolves where when I'm done, people say, gee, I'm either more like you, uh, and I think I would prefer the supplement plan route, or I'm more like your wife. I'd rather go on the Medicare Advantage plan route. And then we focus on, okay, so what's the real differences between those two plans? What are the, what's the cost delta? You know, a value has got to play a role somewhere. What's something going to cost me? And, and we talk about that. Um, talking about cost is especially important when somebody is has got options. For example, I can stay on my employer group plan. Okay, so that if they have an employer group plan and it's got a $5,000 deductible, there's a lot of risk involved in that, and maybe they want to consider right. Medicare. Uh, whereas uh, another one might call me and say, you know, it costs me $20 a week for for my health plan at work. Well, $20 a week is virtually nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, I, and I'm thinking when they say that, well, okay, what magic are you expecting <laughs> of me? Uh, and there is no magic. Yeah. But I think once people understand the math, then they understand what their options are going forward. Yeah, so, yeah, so price-wise, you know, Medicare certainly can be advantageous versus, versus what you're paying as an employer, but it's not, but not always, right? Not as, always. as you just said, yeah. if you're maybe part of a big company, uh, you know, a big pool might have, you know, cheaper, right. um, you know, more people means less, you know, less cost, uh, sometimes. Yes, sometimes, and, and, and frankly, oftentimes, it'll be a better value for somebody to stay on their employer group plan. That's especially true if they're covering a spouse who's under 65. Okay. So, you know, they're the subscriber right, right. because they're the employee. Their spouse is under 65. Most of the time, those people are better off staying on their, their health plan at work but not always, and sometimes the difference can be substantial. That's uh, yeah, that's a you know I think a big one that comes up when we're doing a you know a retirement plan for you know for a married couple, right. and if there's an age gap between the spouses, and if you know the say the older person is the one that's working and they're retiring, then it's like well what about you know what's the spouse going to do for for coverage exactly. for health insurance for exactly. say five years exactly that's right. a that can be very expensive can um, be very expensive um, and oftentimes oftentimes they say well I'll just work longer <laughs> but not that that's yeah. not that that's what we're trying to make them do but right. but but when they see the numbers they're like ooh um, right you know that can be that can be a big number and, and part of when we do the math 
one of the larger components of the math is, so what will your prescriptions cost under Medicare? So people coming from an employer group plan are accustomed to having a set copayment for their prescriptions throughout the year. So for example, if they're taking a prescription and the copayment is $30, that copayment does not change during the course of the year. However, under Medicare, it very well could change mm -hmm. during the course of the year. Most Medicare Part D plans, that's the piece that cover prescriptions, have a deductible. And next year, that deductible can be as high as $480. So m most prescriptions don't trigger that deductible. But what if yours does? Now, all of a sudden, you've got to pay that $480. If it's an expensive drug, they'll get the entirety of that deductible up front. If it's a relatively inexpensive drug, they'll get that deductible or at least a portion of that deductible uh, prorated over the course of a year. So it, it, however they're going to get that is a, is a big part of the calculation of what, what your costs are going to be. So I, I recommend that people at the very least have their prescriptions looked at to get some sense do I or do I not have a prescription that under Medicare would be quite expensive? Because it can be alarming. People are shocked when they learn sometimes. Yeah, and so it sounds like what you're saying is that so when you're on Medicare, you, the price of the drug can change midstream. Can. And, and really you can't, well, you can't change your plan until open enrollment, right? So you're kind of stuck right. for, a num for a number of months, if, right. not, if not close to a year. Right. Uh, I suppose you could try to change drugs. Uh, perhaps there's something equivalent or... Uh, but I, you, you yeah, could. Perhaps. Yeah. And, and a lot of times when physicians prescribe something, they're not thinking about cost. Right. And n most significantly, they're not thinking of, so what's the cost under Medicare? Most of the time, they don't even know. They have no clue. And I know that just from my own primary care physician. Um, just a brief tangent on, a, on what happened to mm -hmm. me one time. So I had a plan a couple of years ago who had it, that had a deductible of about $400. I take three relatively inexpensive generics, none of which triggered the deductible. I had a, a, a rash on my hands, so I went to the doctor. He prescribed uh, a, a cream. I went to the pharmacy to fill a prescription. They wanted $400. Mm -hmm. I you know, I, you don't have to take that prescription. And I, you know, I said, you know, $400, no way. You know, this is a, this is a, a rash on my hands. If it was all over my face, you know, we'd have a discussion. Yeah. But if it's on my hands, there's got to be an active ingredient in here that I could get over the counter. Well, turned out that hydrochlorazone was in the drug that, or the prescription that I was going to take. I got that um, over the counter and it cleared up my rash in four days. So you, under Medicare, you have to be more creative because sometimes you run into instances like that where it's, uh, you know, this wasn't a life-threatening drug. If it was a life-threatening drug, then that's a total different ballgame because then you have to take it. Uh, I now explore multiple creative options for people, one of which, believe it or not, is, is Canadian mail order. <laughs> they can, that can deliver significant savings. Okay because it helps people circumvent the uh, deductible in Part D. It also helps them circumvent sometimes the coverage gap. Coverage gap is where people's prescriptions all of a sudden spike because they're no longer paying a set copay. Now they're paying typically 25% of the actual retail cost. Right. And if the actual retail cost is $1,200, you know, 25% is a chunk of change. Which, yeah, and which is not unheard of. I mean, yeah. It's not unheard of, yeah. and it can be substantially higher than yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's the devil is in the details, and the math is important. Math counts. Uh, yeah, so just, just for uh, CYA on McNamara Financial, Peter is not a doctor, so, uh, you know, <laughs> I think I have to say no. that. For, <laughs> no, I am not a doctor, and, yeah. and I'm not a pharmacist. Right. So I, so I go on um, either proprietary software that we have. Well, and you do have software. I do. <laughs> and or uh, the government website. The, the downside of the government website is it doesn't store prescriptions. 
whereas the proprietary software that I have does. And that's a huge advantage because I find a lot, people will send me, for example, a list of 10 drugs uh, and I do the, the analysis for them, send it back, and then they go, oh, geez, I forgot this one. So if I'm using the government website, that means I have to re-enter all those drugs oh, all right. because they weren't saved. If I use the proprietary software, all I have to do is enter that one drug. So I'll use the government website if there's one or two, maybe three drugs. But if there's more than that, I use the other software because when it gets changed, and at some point it usually does get changed, I don't have to re-enter all the drugs. You know, that, and that's a good, a good thing also because I think you mentioned, I don't know if you did it on the air or not, but... Um how when somebody sends you their list of drugs, they often make a mistake. And, right. you know, so if they're trying to do that themselves through the government website, right. you know, you know, hopefully they're getting, you know, entering all the right data. But again, working with, with somebody that knows what they're doing is a good, another good reason to do that. Absolutely, because I've done this now thousands of times. So I know when something doesn't look right. Whereas if somebody's done it for the first time, uh, very silly little differences, like is it a tablet or a capsule, can make a difference of thousands of dollars. And you, and I know when I see something that is uh, way out of whack, that something isn't right. I don't always know what's not right, but I know that something isn't right, and then I start looking at multiple sources. Yeah, and most individuals wouldn't wouldn't catch that probably. Wouldn't know. It. We have no clue. <clears throat> that there's a there's an issue yeah yeah um all right so i mean we're we got a few more minutes you know before the first break yep. uh i don't know if you want to well i don't know if we want to dive into the different types we don't really don't have enough time to do that um maybe so the burning question on my mind or, right. or that that i get okay is i'm turning 65 right what do i need to do okay so uh i get those calls all the time and sometimes the answer is nothing you know, if you're working for a large employer, and when I say large, I mean 20 or more employees, you get your health plan through your large company, uh, you're paying a good price. In other words, it's, it's um, say, uh, less than $400 a month, then you just stay on your employer group plan. You don't even have to apply for Part A. I mean, people read things online that say, that says essentially you have to apply for Part A when you turn 65, and the reality of it is you don't. There's no penalty associated with not applying for Part A. There is a penalty for not applying for Part B in a timely fashion, but we'll get that at a later point in this conversation. But not applying for Part A, there's, there's no penalty associated with that. So... Um, but I do tell people, the government advises them, and I would um, agree with this uh, advice, that they take Part A anyhow. That's just the part of Medicare that covers hospital visits. Because what that does is it gets you in the system. Getting in this system is, in a timely fashion is what's really important. Because once you are ready to transition to Medicare, typically you do that within a 90-day time frame. And uh, that's not always an easy thing to do. But if you're already in the system, you already have Part A, you already have a Medicare number, it makes it inherently easier to, for you to proceed from that point forward. So I think, you know, so if you're turning 65 and you're still working and yep. the company has to be larger than... 20. Larger than 20. Yeah, actually larger than 19. 20 Lar or Okay, above. larger than then you do not need to do anything. That's basically the, the short story. You don't need to. Right. I, I do advise people to at the very least look at the math. Okay, sure. Yeah, sure. So working with somebody with you or, or trying to navigate it on, on their own if they right. if they so choose. So all right, we're going to take a break here in a few seconds. Uh, you're listening to McNamara on Money. Uh, today we are talking Medicare uh, with Mr. Peter Stoner of uh, Stoner and Company. Uh, we'll be back in just a few seconds to dive a little deeper into Medicare. 
Hi, this is Alyssa Reed with McNamara Financial in Marshfield. Your investment strategy should largely be determined by the amount of time you have before needing the money. If you are aggressively invested, time is your friend when it comes to your portfolio recovering from the scary stock market. If you need your invested money soon, it should have been conservative to begin with. If you're not sure how your money is invested, I'd be happy to offer my opinion. 781-834-2010. All right, we are back. Good morning. Uh, my name is Kirk Reed uh, from McNamara Financial. You're listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Uh, I'm joined in studio today by Mr. Peter Stoner of Stoner & Company. Uh, he is a Medicare expert. Um, and we are just about to get into some details. But before I do that, I wanted to uh, remind folks that we are having a seminar, or excuse me, a webinar, uh, October 20th at 6.30 p.m. That will just be over Zoom. Uh, So if you would like to join us, uh, please call the office to register, 781-834-2010. Also, I haven't given out the uh, studio number, which is 781-837-4900. Uh, if anyone would like to call in uh, with a question uh, regarding Medicare. Um, And Peter, before we start, uh, maybe again, maybe if you just want to give your name and your contact info one more time. Uh, My name is Peter Stoner. My contact uh, information is, first of all, our website is www.stonermedicare.com. You can call me. My telephone number is 781-431-7550. And my email address is pstoner at stonermedicare.com. All right. So before the break there, we were just starting to talk about, okay, you're turning 65. Um, you can but don't have to necessarily uh, sign up for Part A. Uh, but in your mind, that it's not a bad idea to go ahead and do that for mm-hmm. a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, yeah, why don't we talk about what, what is Part A? You know, okay. what, what, what does that do for you? So there are two parts of Medicare. The first part is Part A. That's uh, hospital insurance. So that covers hospital and skilled nursing facility stays, some home health care, and hospice care. Now, it's important to note that it does not cover custodial or long-term care. So a lot of times people are of the impression that it does, and they say, geez, you know, I don't need long-term care insurance, for example, because I'm gonna go on Medicare. Uh, that's not true. You can, you can have a nursing home stay on Medicare, but that's, you, that's for rehab. So they know you're gonna go in there, you've broken a hip or whatever, what have you, you're gonna go in there for whatever amount of time you need for for rehab, and then you're gonna come out. Whereas long-term care is when somebody goes into a nursing home, they're not coming out. They're spending the the rest of their life there, and Medicare will not cover that. Right, Uh, so that, yeah, so that's, I mean, just for clarification, that's Medicaid uh, that would potentially, you know, cover those costs uh, if, yes. if you didn't have, you know, if you didn't have the personal finances to, to pay for it yourself. Correct. Correct. Um, yeah, so I think, that's part, I think that's part of the, you know, the, the confusion is, you know, there's two systems there, right. uh, Medicare and Medicaid. Uh, but as you said, Medicare only covers short, you know, short-term right. rehabilita- uh, rehabilitation uh, and, stays. And, and people tend to use Medicare and Medicaid interchangeably and they're very different so medicare is um, provided by the federal government that's for health insurance medicaid is primarily uh, funded through the state government although the federal government helps out as well and that's for uh, usually for people on limited financial means Um, and in in uh, in massachusetts it's also called mass health the component that covers uh, health insurance. That was actually, so that was a question I was going to run by you, Mike. So my parents now live in Arizona and, you know, they have, they used to live here in Massachusetts and yep. they, they've, I think they've even come to one of your, one of I your seminars. Your yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was asking me, you know, the other day or a couple of weeks ago when he knew that we were having the show and the seminar and he said, you know, does it make sense for me, you know, to listen to this because I, now I live in Arizona. I wonder if you could, you know, give a response to that. Well, first of all, it makes sense for him to listen to it because his son is doing the show. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) Uh, But the other reason is that when I'm talking about Medicare, there are some things that are specific to Massachusetts. Right. Massachusetts is one of three exception states. 
Of course. And, and, and of course. Of course right? they are. Yeah. So when I talk about something that's an exception to Massachusetts, I'll say that. Okay. But every other time when I'm talking about it in general terms, it applies no matter where you are. Nationwide. Nationwide. Perfect. Thank you. So, for example, on Part A, the hospital insurance piece, that's available to people for zero premium. So I'm, avo- I'm supposed to avoid the word free, so I won't use that. <laughs> but it's a zero premium. And, and the vast majority of people pay zero for it. Uh, if you haven't worked at le- least 40 quarters, the government says, which is 10 years in normal speak, mm-hmm. then um, you may have to pay a premium. But a lot of people who haven't worked that period of time are still eligible for the free pre- premium through their spouse. So if they have a spouse or even a former spouse that worked those 40 quarters, then they're entitled to Medicare for Part A for a zero premium. Um, in, yeah, you mentioned the quarters, and you know we were talking about the confusion also, again, between Medicare and Medicaid. Right. So, but there, there, I mean, there is some connection between Social Security and Medicare as far as the, the yeah. oversight or the... A- absolutely. Right. I uh, mean, uh, counterintuitively. When somebody uh, applies for Medicare, they do so at the Social Security office. Right. So, yeah. And when they pay for Medicare, uh, they do so usually through a deduction from their Social Security payments. Now, if they're not getting payments from Social Security, then they have to pay a bill quarterly for Medicare, but they pay that bill to Social Security. So there is a uh, an interplay there that is... Interesting, right? Um, and so, you know, a question that I've gotten not a, not a lot, but but a couple times is, you know, because we you know we hear in the public about you know the social security system perhaps you know running into some problems somewhere right. down the road, right. and and then the question is, well, how does that affect Medicare, if 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 at all? And I don't know if you have a response. So, you yeah. at some point, it may yeah. affect Medicare. Um, the, the reality of it is that, politically speaking, both Medicare and Social Security are something that politicians tend not to mess with. Um, and they, they tend not to mess with it because the vote of the senior population tends to be pretty significant. Older people tend to vote. Um, so that, you know, even what we're going through now, we're, we're looking at bills that are cost, going to cost trillions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it seems that we can afford that somehow. Don't ask me how. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so as a result, I think that one of the last things that you'll see is that they hurt the Social Security and or Medicare benefits of people who are already on the program. I think you will see, uh, for example, my kids are not going to have access, I don't think, to the same kind of Medicare and Social Security benefits that I've had, merely because I just don't see how that the math works. It, it, it doesn't work unless they change something. Um, right. You know, I, my, 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 my hope or my guess is that they will make changes at some point, mm-hmm. you know, over time. And, you know, hopefully they don't have to, hopefully they don't, they don't wait so long that, it, that it's drastic. Um, right. Hopefully right. they can make, you know, maybe minor adjustments as time goes on yep. so that they can provide similar benefits to, you know, folks like myself and, and, exactly. even, and the next generation exactly. uh, when, when we get there. Because, I mean, yeah, the population keeps growing yep. and, you know, so the number of people... Uh, retiring right. continues to climb, and yep. and the workforce is just not as not as strong. But um. and I and I say that to my children. Mm-hmm. I say, you know, uh, we, we've been very fortunate. My father's generation was even more fortunate. I mean, the benefits there were very lucrative. Uh, they've been ratcheted down for my generation. I think they'll be further ratcheted down for my children's generation, my grandchildren. You know, it's incumbent upon all of us grandparents to leave them some money because I'm wondering what's going to be there for them. But uh, I'm here for Medicare today. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I know that was a little bit of a sidetrack, but, um, you know, you know, last last, you know, last point on that. Right. You know, yeah. If Social Security is not quite there in its current form for for younger folks, all the more reason to save, you know, save your money. Absolutely. Um, So. okay. all right, so good on Part A? Well, not quite done on All right, Part please. A. So Part A has a significant deductible. 
So this is the one of the, one of the costs that people bear if they just have Medicare. And the significant cost is you pay this year a $1,484 deductible. Now, that's not a per, per year deductible like most deductibles are. It's a per benefit period deductible. And what that means is that it uh, recurs every 60 days that someone has been discharged from the hospital. So it's a deductible that people can incur multiple times a year. Mm. Now, the reality of it is you're 65, you age into Medicare, you're not going to go to the hospital usually multiple times a year. There, of course, there's exceptions to every rule. But as we get older, I remember my father when he was approaching 92, uh, prior to that, he never went to the hospital. He didn't like hospitals. He didn't like doctors. He avoided them whenever he could. But in the final year of his life, he could no longer avoid that trip to the hospital and went back and forth a number of times. So if he just had Medicare, fortunately he had a supplement plan, but if he just had Medicare, he would incur that deductible, assuming that there was a 60-day gap between admissions every time he went in. So that's one of the reasons why people take either a Medicare supplement plan, which is also called a Medigap plan, because it fills in the gaps left by Medicare. That $1,484 is the first gap that I'm talking about. Which is a pretty big one. Which is a pretty substantial gap, absolutely. And or a Medicare Advantage plan, which actually replaces Medicare. And when I say that to people, they think, oh, great, then I don't have to pay a premium <laughs> for Part B. The reality of it is it doesn't matter what you do for the rest of your life you have to pay the Part B premium in order to have any sort of a Medicare plan. So that's Part A that covers hospital, hospital insurance. The next part of Medicare is Part B. Now Part B covers medically necessary services, some preventive services like doctor visits, you know, lab tests, outpatient mm -hmm. hospital care, and durable medical equipment. Now Part B does have a premium associated with it. Right. And most people, and in fact, 70% of the people nationally this year paid $148.50 a month for Part B. I say most people because a number of years ago, Congress made Part B means tested. So it's correlated to your income. The more you make, the more you have to pay for Part B. Right. What year was that? Uh, that was around 2014. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't that long ago. Right, right. And, and they changed the rules. Um, and, you know, it's, it's sort of an effort to shift cost to those that can afford it. Right. Uh, and that's one of the efforts that Congress is making, essentially, to keep it viable. Right. Keep it growing. Um, why should somebody that makes millions of dollars a year pay the same amount as somebody that makes $50,000 a year is, is the rationale. Now, the one that makes millions of dollars a year doesn't necessarily like that. Right. You know, <laughs> it's funny because uh, some people, when I tell them that, have no problem with it at all. They'll say, oh, that makes sense. That's fair. Others will say, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's almost like I know uh, where they are politically by their, by their reaction. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in any event, the, uh, so what makes you qualify for the lower bracket? So if you're single and making less than $88,000 two years ago, and I say two years ago because the government always looks back two years. So this year, 2021, they would have looked at your 2019 income tax return if you're single. If you're married, it's twice that or $176,000. Once you go over those benchmarks by a dollar, that kicks into the next higher benchmark where now, instead of paying the 148.50, you're paying 207.90 for uh, your Part B premium. And now, because the government subsidizes Part D, the prescription piece, now they're going to charge you a little more for Part D as well. They're going to get you for an additional $12.30. 
So that's the first two lower and, brackets. And and if and if you're a couple, that's times two, right? Both both times both, both people are going to be paying that that Absolutely. higher premium, right? Everything under Medicare is individual, right? So there's no couples, there's no family coverage. It's all per person, but different thresh different thresholds depending on if you're a single or or a, exactly a married right. couple. Right? Exactly right. right. Okay. So the highest threshold is if you are single and you made five hundred thousand dollars or more. Or if you're a couple and you made uh, $750,000 or more. So now it's not times two yeah, right. like it was before. Right. And the, uh, they've lowered the upper threshold for couples, essentially. I see that, yes. Yeah. So then you're paying $504.90 for Part B. And you're paying $77.10 extra for Part D. Right. That, that when you add those two together, it's $582. So now, you know, so now just in that scenario, uh, for a couple, you know, just the Part B is like $1,000 a month. Yes. Right? And yeah. so, yeah. you know, th that's, that's, this is a good time to, if you're still working, right, to... Yeah. to to look at that versus, you know, what are you paying for your company plan? Uh, exactly. Because that's a big number. Exactly. And you need to factor that in. Yeah. So I do a lot of um, math for lawyers. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how lawyers manage to do it, but they seem to pay more for their commercial health plans than normal. Really? Okay. I mean, I, I, I did an analysis recently where a couple was paying $30,000 a year for their commercial health plan through their law firm. And even though they were in the highest bracket, they could still save tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, that's a huge number. And I was like, really? You're paying that kind of money? Of course, that's something I think. I virtually never say it uh, unless I know the person. <laughs> yeah. And then I'll say, wow. You know, that's, that's, we can definitely do better than that. Yeah. Um, but in any event, the, the upper brackets clearly need to be factored in. But one of the significant things about the upper bracket is usually when people go on Medicare, it's because they retired. And when they retire, usually their income is not what it was as before they retired. So there is a form that can be filed. It's SSA, that stands for Social Security Administration, dash 44. So I think 44 was Leroy Kelly running back. <laughs> I, t I tend to remember numbers by either a running back or a baseball player. Okay. And anyhow, that's, I believe, Leroy Kelly. I can, I can fact check that. Yeah. Please. Yeah, yeah well, you, can keep, you can keep going, though. You're under yeah. whatever age. So uh, We have to use our brains. Did he uh, play for the Browns? I believe he did. Oh. So he, I believe he was... He a, was 44. Yeah. He came in after Jimmy Brown, who was, in my opinion, the greatest running back of all time, number 32. Okay. <laughs> and um, in any event, so SSA-44, you can file that because the government is going to find out that you've got a reduced income as a result of your retirement, but they're not going to find out until two years later when they check your income tax. You want them to find out as soon as possible. So as soon as that life-altering event happens, i.e. retirement, you want to uh, submit that form and ask for a uh, reduction of your Part B and potentially Part D premium. SSA-44 and tell them Leroy Kelly sent you. Right. Yeah. Well, you want to remember 40. I guarantee you somebody out there will remember 44 because of Leroy Kelly. Uh, yeah. Most people will think I'm out of my mind. No, but that's, uh, I, you know, I know you you go over that, you know, every year when, when you do the uh, the seminars for us. And every year I'm like, I know that that that's, does, just doesn't come up in like, Pop, you know, in conversations, like right. I, I just don't, I don't think a lot of people know that. So I think that that's a very important. Um, a lot of people thing. don't know that. Yeah. And if you file that form on a timely basis, and you're a high wage earner, you can save thousands. Yeah, absolutely. So virtually everybody I uh, interact with, send them information. I give them, I send them the link to that form, and if they don't need the form, they don't need to use the link. But if they do need the form, it can save them a lot of money. All right. Uh, so are we done on Part B? Well, uh, almost. Okay. So part, I'm not trying to rush you. I'm no, just trying. I'm just trying to be the moderator. You know. Uh, I appreciate yeah. that. So Part B has that sliding scale 
Um, and when you become eligible for Medicare because you turned um, 65, you took Part A, you want to make sure to defer Part B. And the reason you want to defer Part B is you're still going to be getting your health coverage through your employer, so you don't need it. And because there's a premium associated with it, you don't want to have to pay it. So you want to make sure that Social Security understands that you don't want it. Sometimes Social I've seen instances where people have Part B, they're on their company health plan, so their Part B is not doing them any good at all, and yet they're incurring the cost of that premium. So could you, I don't, I don't think you've mentioned it yet, but um, could you talk about how does somebody go about applying for these benefits, you know, for, for, for Part A, say? How, how does somebody well, do well, that? Well, I, I, when, I, when people talk to me, I send them links. Okay. Otherwise, they, they can Google it. Uh, one of the things that I would caution people when they Google it is all the health plans know when you Google uh, how to apply for Part A that you're going to go on Medicare. Right. So now you've got a target on your back, and uh, most of the links are not to a government website. They're ads, right? They're, they're essentially ads. Mm -hmm. They're companies that are trolling for your business. You want to make sure that if you're going to click on something, that it ends with .gov and not anything else because anything else is designed to look like the government, but it isn't. That's frustrating even for me. Sure. I go in there and click on something and it's not the government. It's like really... Well, you guys are real creative. You fooled me. You know, good, good e for you. even me, you know, uh, I guess, you know, relatively young and, yeah. you know, should be, should be, you know, fairly computer savvy. Right. And I sometimes click on those by mistake, too, uh, because that's the way they filter them. Right. They put all the ads at the top. Right. And it used to be, they used to be marked a little bit better. I feel like I feel like the markings have gotten smaller or something. Yeah. And so you don't always notice that it's an ad and then it's too late, you know. Yeah, uh, at that point. As soon it as, is frustrating. As soon as they ask for your zip code, you know, oh boy, yeah, here, we, yeah, here we go. Yeah. Um, and in any event, Part B can be deferred. There's no penalty for deferring. A lot of times people will call me and say, I know I incur a penalty if I don't take Part B. Uh, that may be true, but more often than not, it is not true. So we need to look at those circumstances. And that, and that goes back to being covered by a by a company plan. By an employer group right. plan. Right, so, so if you're 65 but you're still working by a comp but with a company that has 19 or more employees, yep. you can, and you're covered. 20 or more employees. Oh, I thought it was, okay. It's 19 or less, 20 or more. 20 or more, sorry, okay. Thank you for that. Um, then you can basically defer Part B. Yes, you can. You, are, you do not, there's no penalty to defer. There is none. Right, so that's the distinction. Yes. Okay. So on um, Part B, again, which covers medical insurance, you do have a, an annual deductible. Uh, this year, that annual deductible was $203. That applies through the end of December. Uh, I'm told next year it is estimated. All the sites say estimated. I checked it yesterday. So they don't want to um, confirm it yet. But it looks like it's going up to $217, which is a relatively healthy increase from year to year. It's, it's usually been about $5. Mm -hmm. Well, this time it's $14. So, um, you know, relatively substantial. I was going to do the uh, percentage for you. Yeah. Well, the large, largest uh, cost under Part B is people are responsible for 20% of, um, if you go to a doctor, a surgeon, what have you, they're, they're, re they're required to pay 20% of the bill. So, you know, a lot of times people will say to me, well, 20% is not a big deal. Well, you know, I remember I had a ruptured appendix when I was like 60, and I remember the surgeon's bill on that was $25,000. <laughs> now, I, had, I was working yeah. for a health plan at the time. Yeah. I was fully covered. I didn't pay anything. But if I wasn't working for a health plan at that time, if I was on Medicare and I was responsible for 20%, that would have been $5,000. $5,000, yeah. yeah. And then that's not amortized over whatever. You owe $5,000. So um, that's a big nut. Again, so people take the supplement because it fills in that gap or they take a Medicare Advantage plan. It does not fill in that gap, but it allows you to have that surgery or see that doctor for a set copay, a defined copay. So you would know ahead of time what it was going to cost you. 
I did do the math on that that annual deductible increase, and it's about a seven percent increase. Yeah, that's you know that's that's not insignificant. No, no, uh, a lot more than you know fixed incomes. You know, if you have if you know Social Security, you know if Social Security goes up two percent, you know that's not seven. Right, right. I mean, we'd all love at this point to get seven percent on our investments, mm -hmm. guaranteed. Mm, right, right. Um, all right, so let's see. So we talked about SSA 44. All right. Uh, enrolling in Medicare, we talked a little bit about that. Uh, let's see. So I, I want to talk a little bit more about that. Okay. Because that's really a big piece. You know, people need to um, enroll in Medicare. I told you earlier, if you're turning 65, maybe. Again, uh, I advocate that people take Part A just to be able to get in the system. Uh, most of the time, they enroll when they are going to retire, and they would do that uh, typically 90 days before their retirement date. That's when they start the process. People call me up, um, you know, eight, nine, ten months ahead of time, and uh, it's sort of like, yeah, you know, just calm down for a little bit. Relax. <laughs> yeah, relax. We've got plenty of time. Well, I think call everybody gets so messed up. They get they hear the penalty, right? They hear the penalty thing on the right. Part B, and then right. they get they get all worked up about it. And yeah, I mean, one of the things that that is of benefit when they call me way prematurely is that so I put them in my database, and then I can trace them. I can call them. So then that's a um, a double backup for doing it in a timely fashion. But otherwise, they, they really don't need to do that. Uh, how are we doing time-wise? We, well, we got about a minute and a half. We have about a minute and a half. So um, I, I do advise people to uh, call me uh, 90 days. I send them the links to apply for A and or A and B, whatever it is that they need. I send them the links to... Um, there's also another form that I send them if they're over 65 because they have to have their company fill out a form that attests to the fact that they've had creditable coverage since turning 65. And w yes, okay, and that's important to make sure they, they're not getting penalized. Exactly. All right, so you're listening to McNamara on Money. Uh, my name is Kirk Reed. I'm joined by Peter Stoner this morning talking about Medicare. Uh, we're going to take uh, a break, and uh, we'll be right back in just a couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. 